You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Hello, humans. Welcome back to the show. Please don't forget to review us on your Apple Podcast app. Leave us five stars if you love what we're doing and want to help support the show and help us grow. On today's episode, we have Hiroko. She is the creator of the Lab of Meditation and co-parent of the Trauma of Money with Chantel. And she's just an all-around amazing human being with incredible energy and just so much knowledge to share. And I know Chantel and I were really excited to have her on. It's just been a pleasure talking to her and knowing her. So we hope you get a ton out of the show and um, just a really great listen. I mean, as always, right? (laughs) Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Bianca and Chantal. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. She is someone who's so special to me. Um, Her name is Hiroko and I met Hiroko, I think in 2017. I did, she used to own a meditation studio in Vancouver and um, uh, she runs meditation teacher training. And I did her 200-hour meditation teacher training, and it was all – I, all I can say is, like, my life was, like, before meeting Hiroko and after meeting Hiroko, because she has that type of presence. Um, Hiroko is a psychotherapist, and uh, she's just delicious. Feeling <laughs> 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 her word. I want to let her just maybe tell a little bit about Vancouver Brain Lab and the Lab of Meditation. Um, and uh, she also happens to be my business partner in our new project called The Trauma of Money, which we'll talk a little bit about today. So, Hiroko, thank you so much. This is so long overdue to have you um, because, like I said, you're just, you've been such an important person in my life. And I know so many people are going to gain so much from listening to your wisdom. So maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, first of all, good morning or good afternoon, wherever people are going to listen to this. And thank you so much, Bianca. And thank you so much, Chantel, for having me here today. Um, And uh, since we're going to jive and speak a little bit about the things psychology and the things trauma, Uh, already from the get-go, just noticing that jitteriness and excitement in my body when my good friend introduces me and she says that there is a life before hero and a life after hero, I notice my heart racing. Thank you for that. (laughs) It reminds me that I am alive. Um, So just a little intro about me, um, keeping it sweet and short. I am Italian, just like Bianca, but just with a stronger accent. (laughs) And I moved to Canada (laughs) uh, seven years ago. Um, It's been an incredible adventure. Um, As Chantel mentioned, I am a psychotherapist in private practice. I own my own clinic called the Vancouver Brain Lab, where I... 
um, try to find the bridging gap, the connection between, I guess, a science and compassion and spirit and empathetic listening. So I use devices to track brain activity and physiological parameters. And I then also utilize lots of trauma healing techniques, um, such as EMDR or somatic experiencing, some of the things that we will talk hopefully today. And then I also have a commitment and an enduring passion into making these tools accessible to more people. So I um, opened a few years ago Canada's first modern meditation studio where Chantelle and I met, and I, now I run um, Canada's only accredited 200 hours meditation training. Enough about me. <laughs> and thank you. I didn't know all that. Like I didn't, I didn't put that all together. That's amazing. I know, but we can still be friends and we'll still come and visit you. <laughs> Cause that's scary. Sometimes when you say to people that you're a trauma therapist, people suddenly have to leave the room or, you know, on the plane. What do you do? I work in social media. What do you do? I am a trauma therapist. Oh, sorry. I'm going to put up my sleeping mask. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like being friends with a psychic. Like, reading my mind or... Did she think this reactive trauma? <laughs> so thank you, Chantelle and Bianca, for still wanting to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that why it would be very intimidating for other people though, because then it's like, oh, I can't hide, you know? Right. <laughs> I was actually interested when you were speaking about some of the, I guess, modalities and tools that you use and maybe talking about um, mm. the results that people get from like, I think it was the EMDR you mentioned and stuff like, Chantal's told me a little bit about it and I was fascinated. Um, just maybe going into what those things are and then how they can impact and help people heal, I think would be a cool place to start. Absolutely. Where do we start? Let's start with um, a map of meaning so that we know where we are. And uh, when we um, explore uh, trauma, I think the first thing that can help understand how to heal it is all trauma is pre-verbal. Trauma doesn't really happen in parts of the brain associated with being rational, understanding what's happening, uh, and being able to control what happens in trauma. So all trauma is pre-verbal in a way that it's stored and affecting areas of the brain that have little to do with language. They have more to do with um, like what you were talking about in the last podcast with uh, Andrea, aka the Somatic Witch, it's in the body, it's in very uh, deep parts of the brain. So all, all trauma is preverbal, aka why would we want to talk about trauma in a healing therapeutic environment? It doesn't, it wouldn't really take us very far. So as, a trauma, as trauma therapists, we try to find ways that bypass the talking centers of the brain and talking about trauma wouldn't necessarily be the best way. So for example, somatic approaches where we go into the body or approaches that like EMDR um, stimulate 
stimulate the brain bypassing the talking part. So in, in, in EMDR, which stands for eye movement, EM, desensitizing and reprocessing, what we do is we have a little journey with the person. We try to identify what happened in the trauma that caused the belief So we're looking and fishing and hunting for a damaging, hurtful belief. And then we do something really weird. (laughs) The therapist moves moves their hand in front of the client, asking the client to follow the hand. And since we're recording this only voice, but at the moment you are seeing me, Bianca, because we're on video, I am doing that just to give you an idea. Left and right, I move my hand. And the person followed, follows that movement. And by following that movement, we are stimulating the optic nerves, which are attached to the brain. And by stimulating the optic nerves, which are attached to the brain, the limbic system, the emotional part of the brain, the preverbal part of the brain, we access a part of the brain that has deeply more intimately to do with trauma other than just talking about it rationally. Because wow. I don't know about you, but you might have noticed when we are in hypoarousal or in hyperarousal, aka when we are having a traumatic response, we're not very rational, are we? <laughs> you know, and people <laughs> might give us rational indica- you know, instructions like, come on, you're just being a little bit irrational. She's like, yes, point taken. <laughs> That's the whole point, <laughs> right? So EMDR targets the optic nerves or targets um, uh, the optic nerves that are attached to deeper structures of the brain. And therefore, we're able to help the brain reprocess what happened and make new meaning and so that belief that we formed and we're going to talk about beliefs a little bit later hopefully when we talk about tom our project around money that belief i am unsafe i am not worth it through these organic somatic stimulations comes to a to a reformulation we are able to make a different uh, narrative around ourselves. Pretty, pretty great therapy, truly. Pretty wow. deep. Wow. So when someone does a session like that, for instance, does it usually take more than one session? Like, what does that look like in general? Good question. This is, EMDR is considered a, a sort of a um, faster track therapy. Um, you know, in psychoanalysis, which is, you know, um, traditional Freudian therapy, you would maybe plan the next two years in therapy. Um, And EMDR is considered like a fast track type of therapy. In average, uh, statistically, even though can we really look at statistics in terms of trauma, but I would say a couple of months would already be impactful enough to give the person some relief Um, and so anywhere between six to ten sessions already help significantly somebody to um, experience less pain really and have more um, fruitful and less painful narratives about themselves wow pretty great 
the first time I did it, um, I, yeah. What about your experience? Yeah. The first time I did it, I, it's like, there was nothing I could like describe like, Oh, this, this specific thing changed. But what was interesting after the first session was I was so tired for the next like (laughs) days and it was almost like my body surrendered and was like, you can rest now. And then allowing myself to have that rest, I just felt so much better afterwards. So it's like going back to, I have no idea if this has any connection, but going back to that pre-verbal, there was no stories around it. It was just like bodies like tired, surrender, rest. And then I felt like a little bit better after that. And then I continued to go and I would feel significantly better. And then when I really found out that it was working is when things would come up and my reaction to them. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I was able to not like get to that you know, highly activated state um, immediately. You know, there was, it seemed like there was more space. Like that was my kind of my experience with EMDR. I, I, I love that. I love what you said in terms of, and then there comes the laboratory of life that will just um, put you under test and how, you know, how are these new tools that you have in the lab uh, help you um, navigate uh, life really. And, and yes, that deeper sense of calm truly relates and bridges to the previous podcast that polyvagal, that, that vagal, really that vagal activation of, the parasympathetic system, the ventral, uh, the ventral system, the being able to connect, and truly the real key to ultimate uh, resolution of trauma, which is behavioral flexibility, right? So it means that in the face of life, in that laboratory of life, how flexible is my behavior going to be, you know? Um, in a situation like this, what we are in, there's connection, there's friendship, there's a little bit of excitement. Can we tap into that? And then we hang up and you look down and you see that somebody's still tracking your car and, you know, <laughs> you want that, you know, you want that fight response. You're going to go down and talk to the track man and negotiate that they let the car down. <laughs> and so you want that flexibility and then something else happens and you're constantly adjusting the gears in the lab of life. And that, I think that's what you're describing, you know, um, after that session, suddenly I felt that when I, when I could, when I was not in danger, I could just rest. Yeah. I could just, I could just rest. And that's pretty deep. And also having the experience with the therapist of in EMDR, like, you know, so, um, in, in my sessions, I would be like really upset about something and then we do EMDR and I was able to come down and just like, just having that experience alone is it becomes a tool when you're not in an EMDR session like you're saying, like I can actually recover from this feeling. There's mm-hmm. actually another state that I can move to. And I know, cause I experienced it with my therapist. Like to me, that was quite powerful. 
It's so interesting that we're, we're touching on this right now because it's exactly what I'm kind of dealing with. In mm. Say more. I got towed? <laughs> no, no. I just mean that. So, I, I mean, I haven't ex- basically announced it on the podcast yet, but I just moved to a different country. And um, had I not had such a strong meditation practice for the past few years, this would have been a completely different experience. So that's when I really noticed. Like, it's easy to, to notice... <laughs> how calm you are in your meditation when life is going easily and everything is fine and lined up into place and you're comfortable. Um, but moving and changing your entire life and having to restructure everything, a lot of things will come up and I'll notice that it will come up, but then I have that space to be like, to almost talk to myself and be like, okay, those are all just anxious thoughts. Let's just calm down, put them aside and like actually deal with what's in front of me. And it's been a completely different experience. Um, just kind of navigating my life and all of the new things that are coming up and all of the anxiety that's coming up. Cause it's not that it's going to go away, but it's like, it comes up and I'm able to leave it and, and continue on instead of letting it co- completely cripple me. So I find that to be so interesting that we've even touched on this because it's exactly what I'm experiencing now with so much change in my life. Right. So it is a testament to that if you do do the work on a consistent basis and find something that really speaks to you, um, it will give you that space to be able to navigate the trauma and shit that comes up in your life is a place, right? And I think, yeah, it's so, it's so wonderful, so important. First of all, I'm so happy and glad for you that you can harvest all of those fruits of good work and that it's so good that you can say that so that other people can relate to that experience because truly what's incredibly painful in trauma is a sense of hopelessness a sense of immobility, the despair that things will never change. So truly your message is a fundamentally healing message for everybody to hear that that's the ultimate goal, that goal of regulation, that goal of behavioral flexibility, that goal of resiliency, that's ultimately a message of hope, which is fundamentally important in healing trauma. Behavioral flexibility. I love yes, that's the new hashtag for today. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it in the stories. Yeah. <laughs> Get roped in on that one. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's you're at the wheel of the car. You can scale up, scale down gears uh, because it's a standard car, the car of life. It's not automatic. <laughs> And can I go slow? Can I go fast? Can I stop? Can I recharge and get more gas? That's behavioral flexibility. I am the driver of the car. If you don't drive, you can be the, you know, the rider of the horse or you know, just the inhabitant of your own body. And that's deep. Like what you said, that's, that's healing. And you know, I am so glad to hear that this is happening for you. And like you said, it doesn't mean that we're not suffering. It means that we're able to navigate the suffering. Totally. And like I said, it still comes up. It's still... <laughs> yes. It's almost like I can feel it more so come up now because I'm not so stuck in it. So like, uh-huh. it's like, oh, well, I'm anxious and freaking out all the time. So I don't know anything else. <laughs> right. Now I can actually feel it come up and also be able to be like, okay, Bianca, like in this moment, everything is actually fine and workable. Mm. I just have to be able to calm down in order to get mm. this, if that makes sense. 
Yes, that does make a lot of sense. And then I think it also helps you attract, and I was saying this to Chantal the other day, people in your life that are more aligned to that um, Mm -hmm. wavelength. And then that also creates the support within your system. So when that shit does happen or come up, you have people that you can reach out to, to be like, Hey, let's like talk about this or let's like get you to a place of not, you know, just losing it. Right. So Yes, and that, that, yes, that's big. And that's another healthier, more sustainable, more intelligent way to talk about manifestation, right? Because I think there's a lot being put out there. Chantelle and I were talking about manifestation and how it's, you know, uh, spiritually bypassing a lot and being very superficial. Um, okay, so I was reading. About this. What do you mean by this? Because I know kind of where you're going, but I want to, I really want to get the listeners to really, because it can be really dangerous to just kind of like sit around and like think that you're going to attract everything by like, you know, just kind of sitting there and not putting any action into it. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is exactly what you said earlier when what you just said, when we are in that state of let's go back to the behavioral flexibility or in that state of regulation or hope that I can regulate, I will then be able to attract, first of all, people naturally in my life that have um, come to a similar um, ability to self-regulate in their own life. And so attracting people that are in this same sort of um, um, ownership of skills it's not magical it's not anything like that it's skills Th- that alone is part of the manifestation if you're hanging out with folks there are in the same um, ability to regulate and we're having conversations there are um, about healing then we are attracting you know uh, also results in our lives uh, but also it means that um, once again, it's not necessarily putting out a wish and then lying flat on the couch. It means you will be able to access those gears. You will be able to know, okay, this is the time, you know, to scale up my, on a fifth gear and maybe I will need to put some effort in or some planning in or connecting with, you know, this and this person and, and put some work in or no, maybe this is my reading week. I will need the time to slow down and, um, and reflect and think about, uh, more structures and systems. So, um, that to me, it's more similar other than just a magical unicorn based way of thinking of, <laughs> you know, being magnetic or manifesting. And again, you know, looking at <coughs> conversations around privilege, are you, attra- are you attracting or are you just attractive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, this, I love this. I love this conversation because I hear this all the time in the work that I do around money. Um, mm. There's so much, um, especially on Insta- the world of Instagram, just like manifestation guidance. And I feel like, like you, you cannot properly manifest if you are spiritually bypassing. You can't, there's like, in my opinion, there's steps to manifest. And one of them is working on the trauma. How, if you truly are in a state to manifest, 
you have acknowledged all the other stuff that could be a block to manifesting, right? And um, also another thing is like, there's a lot around scarcity mindset too in this world of manifesting. And I, I am not comfortable with what I see, especially on Instagram, like I said, around like the manifesting, um, the manifesting world of Instagram and the scarcity mindset or the abundance mindset. Um, because I think it, it kind of, is basically saying that if you are in a scarcity mindset, you are attracting your own poverty. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take into consideration all the other ways that people are impacted, like systemically, societally, generational trauma, relational trauma, that puts them in that scarcity mindset. It's not as easy as flipping a switch and I'm all of a sudden in an abundance mindset. To get to the place of being in an abundance mindset, you have to leverage multiple sets of tools to be able to even be at that place. You know, and Hiro, I'm sure you can expand more on this um, from the standpoint of trauma. And this is where the manifesting uh, guidance and encouragement, especially on Instagram, like I said, gets dangerous because the people who have grown up in a marginalized community or have severe generational and systemic trauma, when they're seeing messages like, just, just like think of like something that's abundant and all your problems will go away, it discredits everything that they've been through. So that's where I have a bit of an issue with it. But I am also incredibly spiritual and I believe in the power of manifestation. I love quantum physics. I love, um, I believe about the, you know, resonance that happens and the law of attraction. But for me, it's the process of getting there. It's not ignoring and bypassing all of our human experience. It's, it's acknowledging, working through, removing the blocks and then being in place to, you know, abundance and things that maybe are not abundant in the lens of the consumerism narrative. And I talk about this all the time with money. Like when I go and look um, on last week's podcast, she was talking a lot about external stimuli. And when I go and look at a sunset, that is as satisfying, that external stimuli is as satisfying to me as before when I didn't have this awareness, when I would go buy like a a designer handbag. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. I, I, so deep, man, because it just, it's, it, it goes back to like, what is it that you need? What is it that you're taught to need? Like you're just the sunset, the sunset analogy is so real because it's like, you feel like you never have enough in this society because we're always reaching for things to like, fill in like I'm even just thinking about it now with my like with my police and I'm like hey, what are all the things I need to get like what are all <laughs> it's just like I need to like make sure that I'm set up here and I'm like I could literally just go outside and like not have a TV and enjoy like actual life and like go out there and explore as opposed to like making sure that everything is perfect in here anyway it's just such a deep topic wow <laughs> yes that's another good hashtag enjoy your sunset more than your Prada handbag <laughs> it's all just external stimuli that's it yeah you know 
Yeah. yeah and uh, I think, you know, I, once again, my, my, <clears throat> my heart rejoices when I hear Chantelle talking about this stuff because it makes our project that we have been working on, you know, for, for a while now, the trauma of money is so, so dear and so true to my heart and so important that we are trying to understand financial literacy also with, or fundamentally starting from the lenses of psychology and social psychology and critical psychology, understanding systems of oppression, understanding trauma, and um, yeah, moving a little bit out of more superficial and uh, potentially damaging or violent uh, messages out there of just take it easy or manifest or uh, just step into your abundance and um, and 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 so that's that's truly meaningful. Thank you for for bridging bridging that gap, that gap. until we don't heal which fundamentally means we tap onto two big ingredients of the tiramisu of life, of the cake of life. <laughs> and, the two, and the two big ingredients are until I am not able to recruit a sense of being loved and a sense of being safe in life, so the two ingredients are being loved and being safe, then there's no real... <laughs> healing there's no real conversation that's possible around money so let's dive a little bit into that conversation well, hang on. Uh, you yeah just, i'm like crying just from you saying that can you just repeat <laughs> that again well because you know <laughs> the two fundamental shall i say it again with an yeah, italian accent the two fundamental ingredients of the tiramisu of life <laughs> are feeling safe and feeling loved. And so that is, again, the nature of healing. And from there, that is the deep personal work that can be both personal and systemic. It can be both individual and social work, right? Zooming in and zooming out, but those are the two fundamental ingredients. And then from there, I can have conversations around, oh, okay, how, what, how do, what do I want to do with money? How do I want to, you know, save up or what do I want to invest or how do I want to manifest? Starting from those two ingredients that give the foundation of um, that, once again, sorry to be repetitive, but that behavioral fle- flexibility and that ability to be able to regulate, to be in the body to be doing what you are doing now that you move to a new city, just like, oh, I'm noticing this, but the foundations of safe, the foundation of love are, are here with me. And from there, I can observe the, the, the pain, right? So uh, I was talking to um, a client or a patient, for, just to give an example, just to be, could give context. And she was telling me the story of basically have been, put on the street when she was 16 by her father, the father stopped by the curb and, uh, you know, asked her to just get down the car and he gave her $300 and that was it. And 
I think 30 years later, even 40s later, she's now in her late 50s. She has a fantastic job. She has a wonderful career. And she was talking about her difficulty of saving money because internally that feeling of being loved, it's compromised by that event and that sense of you're only worth $300. That's it. Right. And almost always having $300 in the bank account because she has to spend it and give it away. Because that deep, intimate, fundamental sense of I am loved is not there. So we can talk about the $300 until the cow comes back home. But if we don't resolve the being loved ingredient first, if we don't go back to that moment where out she goes from the car and that, you know, gives it 300 bucks, we will not resolve the financial issues that she has of not being able to save and make good use of the fantastic salary she has now. Because fundamentally that ingredient is not there. And so it's not a good tiramisu really. Right. Wow. That's such a good example of showing the trauma of money specifically. I know. I was thinking about you when I collected that example. It's good for our study and our research. Yeah. And I I see that a lot with overspenders where there's um, there's, uh, like some feelings around worth and like being loved. And, uh, you know, um, we think of of spending and, and saving as different things and I always teach your saving is your spending it's the same thing you're just you know wherever you you're spending your money you're spending your attention in that way so if you want to spend your attention on yourself then you you spend your money into your saving savings account right 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 it's a really to do for someone who doesn't feel like they're worthy of spending their attention on themselves Yes, so so compassion in understanding that that, that that's about pain. And so the question is always a question around pain. The question is always, and why the pain? Tell me, my friend, let's just sit down and investigate why the pain. And so going back and examining that person's life, you know, what is your cultural background? What what are your, your roots? What yeah. happened to your generations to come? What's happening to you at a systemic level? And then what is your biography? What happened to you when you were 16 and your dad kicked you out of the car, right? Yeah. And so once we understand the path, once we understand the, the puzzle of that person's life, once we understand what's the underlying deep uh, pain. Once we understand that those two ingredients have been um, deprived, then we can do that reparative work that can ultimately, un, you know, infallibly take us to abundance and to manifestation and to a meaningful life. Like ultimately, this is hopefully a hopeful message, right? But a hopeful yeah. message that stems from understanding suffering. I think, Compassionately. So I think this is so great just because I think that we, it's so normalized to just 
almost see your behavior as like, oh, that's what everyone does. Like everyone overspends. Everyone does this. Every like it's just so normal that it. I think for the for the average person, someone always not being able to save or just spending their money on stuff is normal. So people wouldn't even question that this is a deeper issue, or it comes from something from your childhood. Or I think it's just so important to like point to that because you, you almost don't even realize that this is coming from some other place that's hidden or buried, or maybe it hasn't been hidden or buried, but you just don't know how to handle it. Um, like even just our day-to-day behavior, you don't realize that it's all coming from some, some other place. And I'm just even sitting here as you guys are speaking and thinking about like my spending or even just other areas of my life where I'm like, Oh, I'm doing that and not realizing the space that it's coming from. So even just to open that up, it's, it might not be resolved in a day, but just to even open that up and get your brain jogging in areas of your life that you're behaving in a certain way that you've been doing for so long and almost don't know why. Um, I think it's great to just like crack that open and kind of start being suspicious of what's going on there. Interesting. Yeah. And that's Chantel's seminal work around mindfulness and and money you know coming back to the body coming back to this present moment right the ability of slowing down being present in the moment so that you can better (laughs) keep track of what your hands are doing when they're nervously seeking for the credit card in the Prada purse (laughs) right and you have abandoned yourself because you're not there because you're either in the past of being having been hurt or in the future with no, not enough or, you know, a worst case scenario. And in that very moment, you're gone. You're not here. Right. So, yeah, thank you for saying that we, you know, yes, everybody overspends because everybody experiences pain. Like trauma is universal, (laughs) you know, and the way how Chantal and I look at trauma, there is an overlap with trauma and pain they are very very close to each other we don't necessarily define trauma as a big t as a big dark event this is also trauma for sure but we also look at small t traumas which are emotional scars emotional wounds not necessarily gabor mate says trauma is not necessarily what what happens to you he says a better way to look at trauma is what happens inside of you And, you know, a small event such as your mother was late to pick you up from kindergarten um, can be traumatic. It's a small thing. She was going to come. But in that moment, what happened inside of you is I'm not loved or I'm not safe. Right. And so there is there is an overlap. And we look at trauma with um, deep lenses and compassionate lenses. Trauma can be anything, really, what scars you emotionally. Wow. So, yeah. It's like human beings are so sensitive, but also so resilient. It's like such, yes. a, it's such a balancing act all the time. Yes. Just, I'm going to get like really philosophical and spiritual here, yeah. but I just feel like that, that is our, that's meant to be our journey, like, it was on purpose that we're so sensitive and we also have the behavioral flexibility. And I think it's, we're meant to really play around with that and see like, how, how can we exist in that range? You know? 
I love it when Chantel gets philosophical. <laughs> I know that it's always going to be good. But yes, um, you see the fundamental message that you get studying trauma, studying um, this uh, approach that both Andrea, the somatic witch, and I are passionate about, which is somatic experiencing. So Dr. Peter Levine, all of this good stuff. The fundamental message, once again, just to keep it uh, short and sweet is we naturally tend to healing left to our own devices we heal animals in the wilderness heal you know a tiger a gazelle a zebra a rhino undergoes severe traumas in their daily life and yet they heal because it's written in our biology that we tend naturally to healing as humans, we compromise that because we are <laughs> complicated and uh, we uh, interrupt that natural process of healing. Mm. We interrupt it with narratives. And uh, so it's, it's great what you said, Shanti, to just go back to that um, promise that the challenging lab of life is actually offering us the proof that we are so incredibly resilient, that we are truly, truly programmed for healing. Wow, I so needed this conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, a podcast for all the good selfish reasons. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is, I need, I get so much out of this podcast. <laughs> But Bianca, and, and that's wanna... so great. That's so great because it means that you're doing, both of you are doing something that's genuinely useful for others. You know, you're testing on selves. And if it's helpful for the two of you, with all the incredible people you've interviewed, that you will know that this will also be useful for others. So that's meaningful work. Bianca and I are just out there trying to... Uh interview top quality uh, healers and therapists just so we can all get free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and make it available for others. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you're like the modern female Robin Hoods. Can you, first of all, thank you so much. I think you're so incredible and your energy is just, I mean, just, just you're small. I mean, you're just amazing. Um, <laughs> I can't you, wait to uh, squeeze you in person, truly. Come over, come up here. <laughs> if you could tell the listeners absolutely everywhere they can find you, um, that would be amazing. Yes, and I will also need Chantel's support in this. Um, so first and foremost, the kingdom of Instagram. So in the lab with Hero is my Instagram as a therapist and then the underscore lab underscore blah, blah, blah of meditation. So the lab of meditation with underscores all the way. <laughs> and then the Vancouver Brain Lab, it's my website, www.vancouverbrainlab and www.thelabofmeditation.com. We also have our website launching soon. So that's where I need Shanti to chime in for Tom, the trauma of money. It's going to be ready soon. And we're super excited 
Yes. Yeah. You know, the best is to just follow Hiroko on Instagram. She's got the, the, um, tag to the trauma of money account. You'll see the site from there, um, come up when it does launch. So follow it, Hiroko, follow the lab of meditation, follow the trauma of money on Instagram. And we will be launching what in a few weeks, right? With the website. Yeah. Um, it should probably be in the next couple of weeks and, we have been working on this for a while and um, uh, we've pulled together this incredible faculty, <laughs> like amazing top quality. What do I say, Bianca, that you love? High quality, high quality. content. High quality high. content and cherry picked, cherry yeah. picked faculty and Chantel did an amazing work to coordinate this incredible faculty and we will be then launching the new year our online course and then we have a super exciting upcoming Italian retreat in the south of Italy in the summer Bianca just get your bags packed oh, <laughs> we're going to the homeland this isn't even this isn't even a question <laughs> We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna just immerse ourselves in the Sicilian sun, uh, meditating, healing, and learning financial literacy. So that's also big coming up in June. Yes. Um, uh, Bianca, I just want to say something before we end. Listen, I'm I just on my period. Take so a what? <laughs> I'm on my period. <laughs> so I've already got you guys on this call. <laughs> Remember I told you on our first episode that crying is good content? <laughs> <laughs> He's high quality content. <laughs> but I just want to take a moment and celebrate you for being so brave and moving to another country. So yes, we celebrate you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And like Hiro said, like what, you know, you're sharing your experience and, you know, sharing some of your tools like meditation and your mindfulness practice and, and how you've been using those tools and what would be usually a really hard time. And it is a hard time. You're just learning that you can recover faster. And I'm just, I'm so in awe of you. So thank you for inspiring me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chantal, for taking the time. I think you should re-listen to yourself when you say that. Because sometimes <laughs> we say it and then we discard it. We don't keep it as true. But it is true. Most yeah. probably, you know, it, it is something that you will just take that chunk and listen to it <laughs> more and more. Yeah. It's pretty deep what you said. And I hope, yeah, that lots will resonate with that. Good for you, Bianca. Brava. <laughs> You're just so incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs>